Welcome to The Developmental, a podcast about the messy, beautiful ways grown-ups grow up. Here, we explore turning the science into the day-to-day practice of adult development in teams, homes, organizations, and life. Hello, friends, and welcome to what will be a very special and very personal episode of The Developmental Podcast. This is an episode about the transformative power of friendships. And my guest today is who other than my very best friend. Veronica Brejan is a managing partner at the Neuromindfulness Institute, which is an organization devoted to bridging the science of breathing and mindfulness with the practice of leadership. She is also a former international HR director, having worked as Chief People Officer for Europe at Pizza Hut or coordinated the global uh, talent function at Vodafone. She is a highly experienced coach accredited by the International Coaching Federation and outright one of the wisest leaders that I have ever had the pleasure to know and work with. For the past 12 years, I've been lucky to call Veronica my best friend. We've been through a lot together and separately supporting each other through ups and downs. And we both share a love for vertical development. So relatively recently, in one of our very deep conversations, uh, we have many of those, as you will see in a moment, we had a reflection that our friendship itself and perhaps any long-term, lifelong, um, conscious friendships such as ours is actually a catalyst for development. So we decided to do something that felt risky and exciting at the same time, which is open up the inner sanctum of our friendship for people to explore and connect to their own experiences of friendship. We will invite you into the five seasons of our 12-year relationship with the lessons that we've learned, with some of the challenges that we have navigated together, and also invite you to explore how some of the principles of transformative learning groups, which have emerged from my own uh, research on vertical development, have actually played out in my and Veronica's friendship. By the end of it all, we hope that you will reflect on how vertical development can be hidden in plain sight. It exists in the most important relationships in our lives. And perhaps after this episode, you will go out into your own friendships and seek growth, maybe a bit more consciously than you have before you listen to this. So without further ado, and with a lot of emotion on my part, I'm inviting you into my and Veronica's conversation. We're uh, on with um, a very, very special guest. This is is going to be an atypical uh, session of this podcast because I have with me Veronica Brejan, who is my best friend, has been my best friend for 12 years, my soul sister, my um, family, as another friend of ours um, shared this word with me. recently and I thought it's so uh, such a beautiful word the family we choose uh, not the family we are given so this will be a conversation about friendship and about of course vertical development welcome Vero 
Thank you, Alice, for such a beautiful introduction and for uh, inviting me to this wonderful discussion. We actually have discussions like this uh, daily, and we said for a few years, maybe one day we record one of them. So thank you for um, for creating the space for the podcast so people like uh, me can come and have conversations with you, and let's see what comes. Yes, I'm very curious, and I'm very nervous. You, you, you <laughs> can also see me on Zoom. I am very nervous because this is uh, not... Um, None of the conversations so far have been just intellectual uh, explorations, but this one is very personal. So uh, we're we're um, we've both uh, decided to step into a vulnerable space and kind of open up the um, the black box of a friendship for people to kind of explore and reflect on their own friendships and the way they impact their lives. So we we haven't really planned. We have a bit of a structure, but it's going to be pretty loose. Let's see where the conversation takes us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so maybe let's start with the beginning and and um, kind of go back twelve years to where we started because you chose me. Uh, that's how our friendship started. You chose me. I searched for you. I searched for you. There were 500 CVs. I searched for you. <laughs> In a, yes, on a, on a jobs website, right? Yeah. That's very romantic. <laughs> We've met online. <laughs> we met online. So do you want to, do you want to share a bit of that story? Because I've always found that I, I found that story, such a beautiful uh, story about synchronicity and also some, some sort of, I don't know, intuition. I don't know how to, what to call it, but um, do you want to, do you want to give uh, the, yeah, yeah. Very the brief to, story? Very happy to, to remember that moment with, uh, with you and uh, our friends listening so I we were I was working in a consulting company in Romania at that time, and we wanted to grow the team with experienced trainers. So I we you know we just put an ad online on a on a platform, and uh, we had five hundred CVs. So it was a reputable company, and then everybody wanted to work with us. So. And then I've read the screen, the 500 uh, profiles, and then I took yours. There was obviously something there. And said, so, well, there were many other profiles that were really, really good. And I told to my boss, uh, we will see everybody, but this profile, it's, I, I have a feeling that somehow, even if we choose other people, this lady will work with us and then we met and it was it was a perfect match and your experience at that time was incredible and exactly what we needed but also your being was a perfect match with uh, at least with me I don't know if with uh, the whole team but uh, we uh, that's that's how we we met and um, and we worked together initially mm. yeah and on my end I remember coming to that interview with our former boss and yourself and and liking both of you but thinking leaving that interview thinking if this girl is going to be my colleague I want to work in this place <laughs> I really hope they like me which um, uh, you did and we did end up working together and there was something else that was very very funny which only later I think you told me that um, on maybe the first or the second week on the job i I created this funny nickname for you that <laughs> is nothing. There is no <laughs> translation in English, but imagine imagine a word that 
um, could be synonym to, I don't know, sweetie pie or something really cute that you don't, you don't usually use at work with colleagues, but there was something so endearing about Veronica and just her presence and her warmth that somehow I just felt I've known this woman for so long. And I just, this nickname just popped out of my mouth, um, which was probably very unprofessional Um, (laughs) seen from the, from the other end. Um, But you did embrace it with a lot of humor. You didn't think I I was um, not taking you seriously. (laughs) I did. Um, As a colleague. So yeah, that was, that was the beginning of uh, what has been a 12 year friendship. And um, another fun fact is that we did end up quitting that job on the very same day. So we left uh, arm in arm uh, in the, through the parking lot and just headed for the nearby restaurant and had lunch as we went into the new season of our lives after a while, after working together in that first uh, workplace. And the last where we did work together. We then worked together in many other capacities. In but different roles. Different roles. Yeah. So um, with this opening, I just want to zoom out for a moment um, because, as I said, we do have a bit of a loose structure uh, because this is not just a personal share about, you know, a a friendship. And we're sure you have your own friendships that have changed your lives. Um, Our story is about understanding how a friendship can be transformative. It's an invitation for you to unpack your own friendships and look for the ingredients of growth and transformation and maybe purposefully put in some more of those ingredients if you need them. So the the framework will invite you to reflect on and play with, and we will bring it to life through our own story of friendship is something that came out of my PhD research, which um, I shared with Vero and we had a lot of conversations about it. Uh, Something that I discovered looking at a group of leaders going through a transformative leadership program was that one of the most powerful ingredients in that learning program for participants, as they shared when I interviewed them, was uh, their peer learning group. These were really tight-knit groups of people who met on the program, but then became really good friends. And the groups where uh, friendship blossomed turned out to have a really powerful growth impact on the participants. And and people, um, when asked, you know, what was it about this group that was so powerful for you? They identified five ingredients, which then uh, we retrofitted and realized that we actually had in our own friendship all along these five ingredients. I haven't actually went ahead and studied friendships and see if this framework applies to them, but let's, let's play with this hypothesis. So the five ingredients are diversity. So very different people seem to be able to harness the potential of a relationship in a a more powerful way. You need that diversity. You need those different views of life to be able to challenge each other in interesting ways. So diversity is the first ingredient, but then you need similarity. You need to look for the bridges. You need to look for the common ground. So these five ingredients actually come in two pairs and then a fifth one that holds all of them together. So diversity and similarity are the first two, the first pair. Then the second pair that goes on the back of the first two is challenge and support. It turns out that these transformative groups had the capacity to both support each other unconditionally without judgment, 
but also challenge each other with a lot of honesty and candor. So people would be very frank about, you know, mirroring each other, making each other even uncomfortable, but in a constructive way. So challenge and support. And then the fifth one was consistency. So you need to do it over and over and over again for years and years sometimes, 12 in our case, and counting. So what do you think of these five ingredients, Vero? What, what were your thoughts when, um, when I shared my, my discovery with you? I don't think you were that surprised. <laughs> no, and it's, uh, it's at the end, it's about human nature and relationships, right? At work and friendship. And um, I remember one of, the, one of the intentions we had when we said, why, why are we doing this episode? We said, well, um, sometimes vertical development, we're doing neural mindfulness. These words might sound fancy for people. Uh, and not all of us have the time, the money, the resources in general, all the time to go through fancy retreats or experiences. And we we realized how much we learn from each other, from friendship, which is available all the time. And when you brought the framework, I found amazing, you know, that actually this puts the structure on something that we've been experiencing for 12 years so didn't put a lot of thinking. So let's see what comes up. Uh, I just thought of major moments in our friendship. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because that's when we were similar. And this happened. So yeah, very mm -hmm. happy to explore together in different seasons how um, all these five elements played into, into the friendship. And maybe uh, coming back to what you said about vulnerability, everything has a light and the shadow. So our friendship as well. So we will share both with the purpose of learning and with the purpose of um, just making it making it real. Uh, and hopefully at one point you can uh, do some research maybe on friendship because uh, <laughs> that yeah. could be interesting to see. Yeah, and I do remember when, when you said it to me the first time, you know, actually that's so, such an interesting reflection that friendship something that we cherish but also maybe to a certain extent we take for granted in our lives is actually such an amazing laboratory for growth and transformation and do we consciously harness our friendships and I do know that um and we'll we'll get to that point in our story um I almost lost our friendship at a certain point in time when when I didn't know how to connect anymore and I wondered, had had I known, had I been aware of how um, precious it is, would it have helped me to reconnect sooner in, in a difficult moment that we went through? So it's almost just a reminder of how powerful these, you know, special relationships in our lives are and how growth can be found just in life. As you say, you don't absolutely have to necessarily, you know, take away three months of your life to go and go through a deep, deep experience. You might have the deep experience right there at the end of a phone call with your best friends. Um, you just need to recognize it. So we might uh, take people through some some highlights from the five seasons, as we said, the five seasons <laughs> of our friendship. <laughs> there were five <laughs> chapters. You know yes. that movie with the young and the restless that was like, I don't know, for 15 years? <laughs> yeah, 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 that never ends. This, like this episode will ends. end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so five seasons and five, five transformative ingredients. So what would you say if, you know, the first of the five ingredients is the, the differences, the diversity? 
how how did we how did that play out we are we are similar but we are also very different people um yeah what's your first thought how did diversity play out in a for you well, I think initially what attracted me to your profile, because I knew certain things right from the CV, was the, the very different experience. I, I had the corporate experience, so like in a framework with certain departments, you know, all the things that come with a corporate role. And you had a very free approach to life and to your career, which I found fascinating. So that was, in a way, the... The big difference between the two of us in the way we would approach career work, but also in the way we would live our life. I was more of a compliant, you know, the good girl, the following through the, I always had, you know, the the color code, uh, you know, and dressed in Mm -hmm. the, you would always break boundaries and be a little bit more rebel and more free. I would get told off by HR for not um, not abiding by the um, by the dress code of the company that we used to work for. <laughs> yes, I think that was the first big difference. Mm. Um, how about you? Um, what keeps your mind? I remember what struck me as different um, in a way that inspired me was. Um, I was very um, agitated, maybe is the word, restless, restless, maybe the better word. Um, and you seem to not rush into things. You seem, and you still are, very thoughtful in the way you react. Um, I remember different you know, contexts of work, a client that would do something that I would find um, unfair or um a colleague that would do something that I wouldn't like and and I would be reactive, not necessarily outwardly reactive, but there would be a lot of emotion and you would always urge me to slow down, to reflect. What do you think this other person is thinking? What do you think is going on for them? Which I found at times a bit annoying because I couldn't, you know, let, (laughs) let my frustrations out. But at the same time, I admired that wisdom and that capacity you had and hopefully it, it d- did rub on me a little bit. I, I did learn a bit um, how to create that pause uh, between stimulus and response, which I think you were really and still are really, really good at. And there's a, a huge wisdom to that that I've learned so much from. So we did, we did have different personalities too um, and different ways of engaging with life and with people and um yeah, there was that crossover of energies there. But then we also had a lot of similarities, which I think we discovered quite early in, uh, as well in our friendship, which then helped create those that bond of trust that has brought us and kept us together. Um, what was for you? Do you remember what was for you the similarity or the common ground that, that you found that resonated? Yeah, I think um, the first thing that I remember was the need for, I would say, meaning now. I don't think at that time it was so profound, but we were not into just, you know, creating PowerPoints or doing, we're not just happy coming to work, doing our stuff, going back home and living our life. Our life was there as well. So we're very similar in in that sense of 
you know, we have the time here, let's make the most out of it, let's bring mm-hmm. value, let's help people grow. And we both had the the client for us was the person in front of us. I think it was very clear from the beginning that the group in, in the training room, the group we were working with was for us the main uh, client we would want to serve and at the best we could. So, and that was from the beginning, something that I think helped us also deal with um, differences in a, in an easier way. Because we would come back mm-hmm. to this common purpose. Okay, we are here to do this. And then we would focus on on uh, that rather than uh, than the small annoying differences that came from time yeah. to time. I, I was going to say, I was curious, actually, this is the first time I've actually asked you this question. What was the bridge for you? Because for me, it was exactly the same thing. I remember thinking, this is a person who is purpose-driven. And that for me matters more than anything else. Um, and particularly in a quite a competitive corporate context where results and KPIs and money mattered a lot and people valued that and status and promotions and bonuses and all of that, you know, corporate game <laughs> that <laughs> um, has its own rules. Um I felt like when we worked together, it was always about what's the most positive impact we create for the human beings that get to work with us. Um, And there was something really sacred uh, about that. And I also think part of that was a commitment for integrity that you had and I shared um, about, yeah, putting, putting the impact and putting the positive intent ahead of any other kind of, you know, incentive we might have had to, take the easy way or, you know, cut corners, rush a project, do whatever uh, it might have been. There was always, nah, we're not going to do it the easy way. We're going to do it the right way. Uh, And I think that actually stuck with us because after we left that um, workplace, the, the second season of our friendship, you went ahead and continued your corporate career. Um, And I went ahead and started my own consultancy my own leadership development consultancy and I became my own uh, boss for better or worse (laughs) my my rebellious nature just needed that total freedom but we did end up actually the universe brought us together to work as client and supplier um, in another corporate context but that same intention those same values of impact and integrity and wanting to do good held in that new um yeah just the new roles that we took in that second season i see you nodding what's what yeah what yeah I- yeah i i thought of uh you know how we transitioned to the second season and how natural and smooth uh it was and there were some ethical questions that we addressed there because you we were friends and you ended up working with the company so we had to separate that and for a while, I remember we didn't even see each other quite a mm-hmm. lot. You were working with different teams and there was a clear cut there because that's that's how the, you know, that that's how it was fair. But uh, before moving to season two, I realized that there was something that actually brought us together, something that uh, comes from a much more vulnerable place. We were both uh, divorcing. I divorced mm-hmm. and you were in the middle of it. 
And that will, in a way, for me, put things into perspective, uh, like my time, my peace, my life. I was, you know, I was actually looking for something meaningful. I was not in the mood mm. to rush things or to, I was like, okay, what life uh, brings me and how can I contribute to something if that the other something didn't work out? And I remember it was really painful for me to come to work every day for a few months. And in a way, at one point, we had conversations at lunch over that, about that. Yeah. And we found support um, and, you know, uh, with tears and fun and sarcasm and all the <laughs> elements that can help us cope with that moment. But in terms of similarities, that was a very powerful uh, moment in our friendship, I think. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, it's interesting how my mind went to the fun stuff uh not to the raw stuff as a first thought but yeah that actually preceded the fun stuff um because we were both heartbroken um yes. and even being able to to share the heartbreak with somebody else who's going through the same thing although the timing was a bit um you went through your heartbreak a bit uh before i i did through mine but it was close enough to really feel feel for and with each other um, and, and I believe for me, it was the first time I was able to confide in someone who really understood what I was going through. And, and speaking of that, actually, that, that kind of leads me to, to highlighting the other two ingredients, um, in, in our little transformative, uh, frame, because the challenge and the support come in at this point. So, so the, the heartbreak and the, the divorce we were both going through was part of the similarity piece, but how we actually spoke about it and how we supported each other, that was what you choose to do with your similarities and your differences. And, and I remember feeling unconditionally supported um, and never judged um, as I was going through, through those messy months of therapy and figuring out what I'm doing with my life. So that unconditional positive regard, that unconditional support, um, yeah, was life-changing for me. Yeah, and just to put things in perspective, I was 30 and you were 26, so we were very young. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so it's if it's 12 years, which it is, 38, I was 28. Okay, 28. So and then I, 20, and you're 32. 32. Yeah. yeah, we we were ahead of our time in the heartbreak department. <laughs> always, always better start early, the box. That's what I say. <laughs> Get it done with. Yeah. So that was the support part. Um, what was the challenge part? What was the first time you remember challenging each other or challenging me or me challenging you? I think I challenged you a lot on small things like, I don't know, I remember you put a dog, a big dog and a small dog on a, you were doing all these like rebel things and then we were like a serious company. And on a slide, I put, just, I put the dog on the slide. Thing. 
You put two dogs like, you know, yeah. biting and saying shit or something on a slide. I was like, you cannot put that and just get over it. We need to, you know, <laughs> just put the bloody color. Don't come in jeans at work and just, just do it, you know. So I was more like in this kind of small things and didn't really understand why it was so important for you to, to bring this little rebel element. So I think the challenge from me to you came... Um, came like uh, like this and also uh, what I would perceive as something that you know was not um, uh, a little bit childish I would mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. but I don't even know why it bothered me so much at that time now looking back I would be like yeah whatever just put whatever you want on you or just put whatever slide right <laughs> it just doesn't matter but at that mm. at that time uh, it was um it was a bit uh, annoying, I would say. I wouldn't say a challenge. It was not the challenge for me came from my own life because at 30 I divorced and it's not how I imagined my life. Um, and taking the job uh, that I had was in a way in full crisis. I didn't have other choice. It was a very good job, but it's not. it was not a choice. It was the only choice. Mm -hmm. So... You know, when you at 30, you feel like your life is rather closing um, instead of opening up and living this beautiful, um, you know, what people imagine that you have maybe a child or a fulfilling uh, couple relationship and the house and everything. So I had literally nothing. I rented a studio in the forest next to the next to the um, the office. So the challenge for me at that time came from my own life. And I think a little bit for you as well. I'm curious if there was a big challenge in the relationship for you. With you, I don't even remember you scolding me for my non-compliant um, <laughs> behaviors. If you did, I didn't feel scolded. Uh, because I do remember at that time I had very strong opinions about people, um, you know, telling me what to do or not to do, but it didn't feel like it. I, I did feel like you were calling me out on um, on having healthy um, boundaries around, you know, what is justified pushback when you need to push back on things and what is just pure immature rebelliousness. So, so there was something to, to learn from that. And I also think that the fact, which is why I find these five ingredients I was talking about so fascinating, that if you have the challenge and the support in the right dosage, you, you reap the benefits of both without feeling the downsides. Because support without challenge is boredom or complacency, or there's just not, not enough um, impetus for you to grow but then the challenge without support is judgment and and hurt and I never felt that so I, I knew that whatever you were telling me you were telling me with love so that mattered a lot and and in the background I was I was fighting my own demons um because when when we met my own marriage was coming to an end and by the time we we moved into season two of uh, of our lives I was officially also divorcing and, and getting into a new stage for myself as well so so I navigated a lot of personal turmoil and both of us actually navigated a lot of personal turmoil while also being really good at what we did and and working as a team and creating results for the company for the client so there was this almost there were two lives we were living and and the fact that we could share what was going on in the background for both of us 
which which kind of leads me to to think of that piece of research and i will look it up actually and put it in the resources because i can't remember the source now but there is definitely a piece of research around having friends at work is a huge source of motivation and well-being for employees are you able to find at least one person at work that you can consider a true friend with whom you can have these types of conversations look what's happening. I was hoping I would have kids by 30 and my life is going into a completely different direction. And I was hoping I would have a bright future and actually things are crumbling around me. To be able to have those conversations in the context of work with people you trust um, can be hugely um, beneficial in so many ways. So, So I think we were very lucky in that way. We were, and stay with us because the challenge will come. So it's not this is an <laughs> yeah, easy season yeah, for yeah, the friendship, no. right? <laughs> this is just the, the 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 initial season, the trailer. Uh, because then then the the similarities and the differences, and as we grew, we kind of popped into new challenges with each other and in our own lives. And there's actually something that comes to mind now when you say it. I haven't really thought about it, but it's just important maybe to acknowledge in a long-term friendship like ours that people actually grow and they change and they're not the same people anymore. And to be able to be with them um, in, you know, embrace the new version of them, the new season, recognize when the new season comes. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you brought this because um, I when I reflected on, on today's discussion, I had this in mind that it's sometimes challenging when one person is changing, then the dynamic is changing, right? And it's for the other person who is maybe in a different process might be uncomfortable for a while. Uh, and it's not only, you know, in friendship, it's it's in any, any relationship. That's why I'm not a big fan, as you know, of personality profile type of you are like this or you are not like this or because it's a constant change. And the, the you know, the beauty of growth is um, observing that change and putting it on the table, even in moments when when it's not comfortable. And mm. I think we did that a lot of times, not all the time, but over the last years, we're getting better and better at putting the challenges in the in the spotlight. Yeah. Was when was the first time for you when you kind of realized, ah, oh, I'm getting into a new season of my life and. Alice is getting into a new season of her own and something is shifting and we're redefining um, how we go about our friendship because we went from working together. So the, the consistency piece in the equation was just a given. We would see each other all the time to going our separate ways and in very different environments. You were working in an HR position in a large corporation. I was in touch with that environment, but by being a facilitator and coming in from a very different role, but we would not see each other as much and we would not be in touch as much as we were before. So we, we suddenly had to work to keep the friendship alive. Yeah. I, I think at that time, the challenges and uh, the differences, the diversity were, the, the, these two elements were amplified for me because I went, I woke up from the post-divorce moment and I went into achiever mode but like full speed. And I love my job. I've dreamt of being in companies like this and uh, leading these 
beautiful project and working with those wonderful people. And so for me, it was like, okay, I've dreamt all my life to be here. Now it's my moment. I wanted to also grow ego-wise, you know, a better title, better car, more money, buy a house and all the all the things that come with uh, with the achiever mode on. Mm-hmm. And you were very laid back uh, according to my standard right and my fuel for uh, for mm-hmm. and my adrenaline it, it was a different energy so you were more into trusting life and working with a different rhythm working on a lot of projects you loved um, and in a way having the freedom to choose there were lots of fears and I know and we discussed but from my perception at that time there was, you know, a much more, in a way, much easier life, what I perceived. And for me, there was lots of struggle. Although I said to myself, I enjoy the journey, it brought me to the burnout eventually. So it was not a healthy rhythm or a healthy way of, uh, of being a leader. So, yeah, I think I was, again, in the achiever mode, I was... Um, Cognitive performance was my main focus, not mm-hmm. the heart, not the compassion, not to be kind to people. I was a good, good person, so I never harmed anyone consciously, but I did because I was in that rhythm. So my team has had to follow and um, and so on. So there was a big discrepancy in the way we would live our day to day life. And I think we we went over the season. We you know we moved to season three because you were very patient in season two. <laughs> you know you would try ten times to me. How about we go for a salad tonight? How about okay. Lou? I'm gonna come next to your office. So you actually made my life very easy when you know you you were very much available to meet when I wanted, uh, when I could, where I you know it was easy for me. And I'm I'm very grateful you did that because at that time I didn't have mental energy for anything else than work. Yeah, which which kind of uh, and and that that actually that energy exchange reversed later on, which is very interesting in itself. It's almost like a friendship calls for one person to invest a bit more in certain seasons, um, and to do it wholeheartedly. And I didn't think at that time that I was investing. I just, I was happy for you for seeing how you grew your career and actually just listening for you now to you now uh, describe, you know, your mindset at that time from where I was sitting. I didn't, I didn't see, I, I did see the achiever drive, but I didn't see the, any ruthless energy to it. There was, it was your ambition to, to create something of and for yourself, but you also have kept in my eyes. And I I know from, you know, knowing the people who worked with you at the time, the caring, the putting people first um, mindset was still there. So for me, you are still Vero, my friend who I love, and you're just busy, you're working 16 hour days, and I'm just gonna, you know, uh, nag you until you find an evening for us to go out and, and have a salad and a glass of wine together. And there was also uh, something um, in, yeah, where our focus was, as you said, um, because I was in, during those years, I went uh, through my therapy process and building my business. So there was a lot of insecurity 
for me um, in, in, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, um, but trusting the process. But I was experimenting with a lot of things like holotropic breath work and reading all sorts of uh, more spiritually focused uh, things. And you were very, very pragmatic. And I didn't have time for hippie stuff, right? <laughs> I didn't have time for hippie stuff. Um, but but there was there was always I didn't feel um, frustrated by it. Or, or maybe momentarily, there might have been moments of, oh, Vero, why can't you stop and, you know, just read this book and take up some a bit of meditation practice would do you good. Um, yeah, but, but that non-judgment thing um, that we had from the beginning, I feel like we managed to keep through that season. I definitely managed to keep. Um, yeah, which, which then paid off because it led us... <laughs> into season three when I needed your compassion <laughs> um season three was an interesting one season three is the peak of the right we became mothers both of us you yes. first so I had a bit of a heads up from you of what that could be but uh yeah maybe we uh we can uh, acknowledge nine months the... apart yeah we became nine mothers Yes, Edna called, for, called Daniel and she said, hey, come here. I need a buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a powerful moment for both of us. And, um, you know, for those of you who are parents, you know what we're talking about. And for, for, for the others, you will probably, if you choose to be a parent, know. Um, it, it comes with lots of magic. And many people talk about the magic, but it comes also with a lot of challenges. Um, and we had our share of that. So yep. our friendship uh, changed um, during that season when the kids were very little. Yeah. And that was one of those moments for me when, um, and, and I I'd only understood it looking back. When, when you talk about a friendship being transformative, it sounds so beautiful and so aspirational and inspirational, but part of the transformative can be that you're being faced with um, mirrors of yourself that you don't want to see, or the people you love, like your closest friends, they reflect something back at you that is very, very hard to process. Um, and in our case, what um, what happened from my end was that uh, as I became a mother, um, I, I went into a healing, a lot of uh, pain that I had held on from my own childhood, uh, from my own relationship with, with my own mother. And there was this drive to almost be and do what she couldn't be or couldn't do when I was very little. So my parenting style was very... Um, involved always there always present we didn't really uh, have grandparents close so we were always with our child um and then your context was different because you you had the grandparents who were amazing and they could step in so you you seemed more relaxed <laughs> you would allow yourself to go away for a couple of days um, and just take a breath and come back to your baby who is super happy spending a bit of time with the grandparents. And I noticed in myself 
for the first time in in our friendship and by that time we would have been friends for a good six years or so judgment there was something that I found so triggering or annoying about the parenting choices that Vero made uh I'm and um it feels so vulnerable and uncomfortable to even think about it now and it's almost again a good six years later um but I I I think I I pulled back that's when I I pulled back. I realized I was conscious enough to realize that my my judgment had little to do with with you and more to do with me, but I wasn't clear enough in my mind to know exactly what it was to to put my finger on it. So I didn't know what else to do but to disconnect during that time, which looked like me always being busy this time, roles reversed. Uh, and you always reaching out and going, do you have a bit of time? Do you want to chat? Um, how was that for you? How how was that lasted yeah. about a, a year or two, I think. I think period. it was very close to two, two and a half. Yeah. Um, it was a bit longer. But you were you were extremely busy, so the time probably uh, you know just kind of <laughs> perception of time is changing because you had workshop back workshops back to back. I remember you were so successful and everybody wanted to work with you, and and then you would use the evenings and the weekends, of course, to be uh, with the family and to be with the little ones. So it was a very intense time for you. For me, it uh, it was a the other way around that's where I actually left my corporate role I started a, um, a company with my uh, life partner uh, we took a few months for ourselves to create content we went to uh, the ashram a few times and to retreats I became a yoga teacher I went to Vipassana retreat so I discovered the whole uh, you know spiritual world through different lenses and I was on a very different rhythm, more of creating space and time to be and time to um, to connect with myself. So I think for a while I was patient. And then at one point I realized that when you will be in Australia, we will not be able to have a face-to-face -face conversation. So uh, um, there... The love was there, the friendship was there, but uh, we didn't have, uh, if we go back to, to the five pillars uh, that you mentioned, we didn't have consistency. And, and that was um, an important point because if you don't uh, stay connected, then it's very difficult to, to keep a friendship at that level of depth that we, we used to have. So I remember that we had a conversation before you moved to Australia, if we transitioned to season four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was a very powerful moment for both of us and for our friendship to acknowledge that, you know, we'll be on the other side of the world from each other. So if we, um, it's a choice. Do we stay friends or do we call each other just for the Christmas and the, the birthday and, you know, just keep that superficial connection and I think we chose to stay friends <laughs> yeah we did and I remember vividly that conversation because you know again going back to the five ingredients what I also think we lacked 
was the challenge because I was not able to articulate what what was wrong for me, what, you know, the the emotions that I had regarding motherhood and, you know, my version of motherhood and your version of motherhood, which actually when we reconnected, we realized how, how many similarities. And now that our kids are much older, we realize how many things we did exactly the same. Uh, but I was not able to articulate it. So I didn't really challenge. I didn't really open up the conversation. And also, I think I was afraid to open it up. And then you did. And I remember you doing it with so much honesty, but at the same time, love and compassion. I really, really felt you called me out on my behavior without putting me down. And and that for me was was, was both a wake-up call and a life lesson. Um, because it was about, um, you know, what do you do when things are hard? Do you just hide and pretend nothing's wrong? And, and I almost had managed to convince myself, you know, I'm so, I am busy. I'm, I'm still, I, I was continuing to build my business and being a mom full time and kind of trying to do both, which didn't really leave time for anything else. But I've, continue to do all of that after we moved to Australia and we still find time almost every day to have a chat even for five minutes so time was clearly not the issue uh, my presence my my capacity to connect was the issue so it was such a I, I can't really remember so many moments in my life when someone was able to make me uncomfortable with so much love <laughs> as you did then <laughs> I think that was also the moment when I found my strength because I was a new parent, right? So I knew nothing about parenting. Like literally, you read some stuff I didn't. So I just knew a little bit about it. But then it took me a while to kind of embrace my role and trust my choices as a parent and then come to you and say, hey, you know, I acknowledge there is something there, but uh, this is my choice. So I'm not going to justify it or, mm -hmm. you know, and I, it was, uh, you also were open enough to say, fine, you know, I trust you as a friend that you do what's good for, for your child. So it, there was a door opening. I don't know mm -hmm. uh, if you opened or I opened, but uh, it opened yeah. and um, yeah. allowed us to move to, Season four. season four. <laughs> I just had a thought just now before we, we go to season four. Um, there's something that Brene Brown uh, says around trust and boundaries, um, that there can be no trust without boundaries. So I think that was a moment where you set your boundaries around what was important to you. Um, and I got to kind of turn the mirror back and go, okay. What what is going on for me? Is this you know about Vero and her choices, or is it about me and my unsolved issues with my own mom? Um, and actually, after that conversation, I went and had some conversations with my own mom, and and cleared the air. So <laughs> I think you set in motion a bit of um of a um, domino effect around setting boundaries and speaking your truth with love. Which, which kind of, yeah, rebalanced and, as you said, reopened that door and brought us back together. Although, paradoxically, it brought us back together when you were living in France and I moved to the other end of the world uh, in Australia and uh, started over, started life over. 
Uh, <laughs> what to say about season four? Um, I think I, I will start by just saying that I think what we did in season four was bring back consistency because we did stay true to that commitment to reconnect and you're calling, I'm calling, um, quite often you're calling more often than I am, but we end up talking every couple of days. We do, we do connect sometimes just for silly things, share a joke, nothing deep. Uh, not all of our conversations are deep. Some of them are quite ridiculous. Come on, Alice, don't, <laughs> don't, don't give that away. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, but that connection matters. So what was yeah. important? What did you learn in season four? Well, I learned lots of things in season four because, uh, well, first of all, I admire you for your courage and for, uh, you know, starting all over in a totally new continent and um, working, being a mom and doing your PhD in the same time. I just, you know, a part of me admire you and looked at you like a superhero. And you're my superhero from that point of view. But I also had my worries that this would, wouldn't last, uh, right? You would become tired after maybe a year or two or three. Uh, and I knew that from my own corporate experience, that no matter how much you love what you're doing, there's a limit of the body so I started it started this way and then on my own journey uh, the business um, you know we were in the third year of um, freelancing and the business was going really well but the pandemic was very harsh on our family so we uh, lost two family members on my uh, uh, my husband's side his father and his uh, grandma and it was very hard. We lived with them in the same house. So I remember we spoke every day, but in, you know, in some days I was so happy to, to hear you, but you were in a very good place. Uh, the schools didn't, didn't close in Australia. So it was a very different environment. So I was happy for you, but in the same time, really difficult to cope with my own um, uh, family context, family karma, how I, how I said it uh, during those two years. Mm. so there was I, support for sure like if we go back to the five um, elements there was support but I had a lot of challenge that was not coming from you but from the from the way we had to live our life mm. yeah that's so interesting because it, it's it, if I'm thinking of yeah, 2020, and but the year before as well for us, because that was the first year where we found ourselves in a new country, starting life over. Um, I, I, as you know, I found 2019 more difficult than 2020 for the reasons you stated. Um, we were quite sheltered um, in in Queensland where I live uh, because my friends in Melbourne and Sydney have not been so lucky. They've had one of the Melbourne has had. Um, as people probably know, one of the longest lockdowns in the world. So they, they've suffered, but we, we were very sheltered where we were. But the year before that uh, was the year of um, building a life in a whole new place. And it was extremely hard uh, for us 
that year. And I believe now listening to you that what we did throughout those two years was kind of trying to protect each other a little bit from the hard that the other one was going through. Because the year before the pandemic, I almost felt you were in a good place. You had uh, started your own business. Um, you were, you know, moving into a new place. You're buying your your own house. So there was this beautiful moment for you as a family. And I was going through the trenches. And then the year after, you went through so much pain and so much heartache and heartbreak uh, with the family. And, and I... I went into a better place so i i'm almost thinking if we were to go back what i would probably do is listen more listen listen more hold space better uh share more maybe of you know what i was experiencing or what i was going through because it almost felt like oh you're having it so easy and i'm i'm going through this rough time when yeah yeah, I, I think we spoke a few weeks ago. We spoke a few weeks ago about that and the, the lesson we took both from it because it happened like in the span of two years. It, ha it happened um, uh, one, one year for you, one year for me. And it's hard when someone comes, someone dear to your heart comes and say, well, I'm so happy. Everything is fine. And you don't really feel like dumping all your, you know, um, depression or anxiety or like hardcore stuff on them because they're well and they you don't want to you maybe share but in a softer way mm -hmm. um than uh, than you would do if you would feel like um you know um, there's a space uh, there and not necessarily a joyful space so when when we were both well it was good and easy when we were both not well it was easy because we yeah. would know how to support each other but when one is really well and the other one is really down, I think that's where in our friendship, we just didn't know. We didn't have a compass. We are now building the compass for that kind of context. Yeah. What is the, what, what is for you that compass? Because I think I absolutely agree. I think that that for me is probably one of the biggest lessons of the last few years in, in terms of keeping a friendship alive and and evolving it and growing from it this idea when one is up and the other one is down how can you still be happy for the joys of this other person that you care about but also be honest about your own hardship and when you're in a good place enjoy the good place that you're in but also hold space in earnest for the pain of your friend be able to do both. There's a paradox there. There's a polarity, that tension there, uh, which I think we were a bit clumsy in in figuring it out how to how to navigate it. Um, but what, yeah, what did you take as as the that compass you were talking about? I think it's holding space, as you said, but it's also being very straightforward. I mean, coming back to the challenge, but challenge, you know, we have enough trust, we have enough love, we have enough ex experience and, you know, history in our friendship that we can just say to each other, you know, just shut up. I don't want to hear about your, your beautiful things today. I'm really, really in pain. Mm. You know, I mm. need you to listen to me. And, and it's not easy. When, you know, but you did it a few times and you, you were very, uh, very good at that. And it's really brave to be able to, to do that and say, 
with a loving heart, but saying, hey, I need you today. It's not easy to hear. Um, it's not easy for me to be happy for you today. And that's okay. Yeah. It's probably, uh, you know, something in that area that we need to practice and find our own way of saying it, but saying it because... I remember when you said it a few months ago, I was surprised because what I would see on, you know, our conversations, which were very much work related about programs, it was very different than what was happening in your heart and all the all the mm -hmm. questions you had and all the, um, you know, conflicting emotions uh, that were uh, taking place there. And if you didn't tell me about that, I would never know. Yep. Right? You were telling me a lot about the program you build, the Vertical Development Institute, and how you had this beautiful vision of creating that. So our conversations were 90% about that. And then there was the other part of your um, your heart that was going through a transition, mm -hmm. which was not, was not easy to handle. But I had, well, I had a hunch, obviously, but no idea that it was with that intensity and, uh, until you actually said it to me. Yeah. Yeah, there is something something really powerful in in being able to be candid about all of what you're feeling. Because the good the good things that I was sharing were 100% true, but the hard things that I was feeling, maybe I was holding back because it felt like, ah, why pollute this great conversation with you know, the fact that I'm down <laughs> at the moment. Um and and maybe friendships are or, or you know profound friendships that are forged in the in the fires of time like like ours is and so many others are um trust that there is enough strength in that container to hold everything you you don't have to make your friend feel comfortable through sharing just the good stuff protect them from the hard stuff just because they're in a good place and maybe they're not in the mood for holding space for the hard stuff um, and as you said, it's, it's um, funny in a sense how when we're both having a hard time, it's just so much easier to share the rawness of how hard it is, because you almost have permission. You're in a you're in a dark place at the moment. You can understand. There's that similarity there. But when you're in a really good place, I don't want to upset you with my dark moods, so I'll just hold them back. But then when you hold it back, there's something that you know is left unsaid there's something that is not um the, the energy is not flowing properly so i think we're, we're learning to navigate and i wonder how people you know will resonate with this what how things play out in their own friendships do they notice this seesaw nature of are you able to be happy for your friend when um they're a really happy and you might not be in a, as a good place in your own life in that moment still rejoice for them but still be able to have those frank candid uh raw conversations at least mm. while you were talking i realized we didn't talk about something that's I, I wouldn't know where to put it on the framework but we are pretty good at bringing humor especially in in tough moments i think we have this thing that we we released a lot <laughs> not no our way of releasing tension and talking about life and just you know let it flow in tough moments is a lot of humor mm. 
mm-hmm. from you know when the kids were small and there are like those weird moments that you have to deal with when you don't know what to do uh, or to moments when we're in a different country we both live in different countries different cultures and the origin culture Uh, and there are lots of uh, there have been lots of moments you know when we call each other and and we were able like very quickly to turn the conversation into making fun of the challenges and uh, yeah probably Mm -hmm. on the challenge part (laughs) I think we're very good at that yeah, maybe humor and laughing, being able to laugh at yourself with a person you trust and laugh at the ridiculousness of life sometimes is just so cathartic. Um, which <laughs> like the, this conversation has not necessarily exi- demonstrated the humor part because it's 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 been so easy to get into the deep. But yeah, you're right. Um, I can't even think of an example. It's, it's funny how I can't remember necessarily. I know we do a lot of that, but they're not as memorable. They're, they're like moments of energy release when you say something silly and we laugh and, and it kind of a, a bubble bursts. And then oftentimes we're able to talk about really deep, important stuff. Um, but sometimes the deep is just too much and you have to acknowledge it. <laughs> I don't have the mental space for this right now. Um and being silly is sometimes exactly what you need. Hmm. Shall I move to season five? And, season uh, five. Last? Yeah. <laughs> season, season five is now. Season five is now. We don't really know what season five is yet. Uh, we don't know what it holds. I feel it has come for me, and I, I'd love to hear what it brought you a new level of even us having this conversation recording it and knowing it knowing we're gonna you know make it public and people can listen to it it's probably not something we would have done a few years ago um there's something a level of transparency and of vulnerability and of just calling things out and trying to figure out what it means and what you can learn from it that I feel I'm I'm so much more open to in season five. What what is season five for you? For me, season five started a few months ago, so it's pretty it's pretty new. But the intention from season five is to learn from life, and I've done it a little bit in the last few years, but not to this extent. So of course, I met people who are doing this naturally of course I attract the the courses the life experiences that um, that would bring me on on this path but it's very much about observing how life can provide anything I need and everything is available and living with this mindset of uh, serving sharing and setting intentions in that direction and accessing the resources and the support that uh, that I need I think you've you've been pretty good at that uh, trusting life and trusting that things will come your way in different seasons uh, for me it's it's a big shift uh, of uh, trusting life but fully not uh, yes I trust life but I have plan B, plan C, plan D, you know, like consultant style. Mm-hmm. So I want to experience um, in this season 
life flowing and allowing myself to be myself and to be in the now uh, in any relationship in any context I encounter and of course all that from the angle of everything in the outside world is a reflection of myself so if things are not working what I can solve within myself so Mm. these are the glimpses for me of the of the season five and uh, I'm learning so much from you Um, I've learned uh, especially on season two when you opened the spiritual world uh, for me and uh, I was definitely not (laughs) available for that and over the last seven years I've experienced so many things that uh, brought me to the point of acknowledging how vast the universe is and how beautiful it is when we when i allow myself to connect with different people different stories and and grow from from that experience mm. so when you say trusting life and and learning from it does that also mean embracing the unpleasantness in a new way embracing the hard in a different way or in the same way and I think mm. on I've experienced few um, life events in the last few months that were not pleasant, especially in the in the parenthood with with our son who has been through a challenging transition with school, and we had to take decisions. There was a there was a context where things were actually tough for a six years old, and I observed myself that it was challenging, but in the same time I was able to keep the meta awareness of. You know what uh, what this brings to us as a family what this brings to me as a mother what is the decision I need to take what is his karma what is his lesson from it you know and not feel myself guilty that I didn't make a better choice so a lot of learning of course there are those uncomfortable emotions that you're talking about in, in your mm-hmm. research I don't think anybody can turn that off <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I, I've learned to look at that with a bit more curiosity, um, not only pain. Yeah, I love that. And and I think, yeah, that is something that really resonates with my own version of, of season five. The cultivating the capacity to be, to stay curious instead of shut down. Uh, which is and and also um for me there's there's a coming to terms with the fact that I will never be done uh, done with the growing done with the learning I mean I've always intellectually um said that and believed that but there's um and I, I believe particularly in our profession where we support others learning um all the time and we hear people's stories in coaching and sometimes people project onto you um you know their aspirations and you seem to be a bit further ahead in your own growth or learning um and I no longer believe that's true I think we're all very humbly on a path of imperfection <laughs> um and I, I find with a lot of joy and relief that I'm feeling more at peace with that, um, with my limitations, with uh, the moments of incongruence where I'm I'm not walking my talk. Um, I'm not the always the calm and 
wise mother I wish I could be. Um, I haven't always been the best friend I could have been. Um, there's there's something really freeing in accepting that and waking up the next day and trying to do better. So <laughs> uh, every day is a new beginning and a new opportunity to do better is a bit of my motto for um, season five. Um, we've been, I don't even know how this will um, will sound to people listening to it, how much of a flow of a start and an ending it has this conversation. Um, maybe it shouldn't, it should be just like life open-ended. <laughs> so. I, I'd love to maybe bring us to an end with a bit of a question um, for us both. What have we learned? What have we learned from each other that we can take into season five? You want to start? Or do you want me to start? <laughs> uh, I can start. Um, what I have learned from you is never give up hope. You are probably the most hopeful um, luminous person that I have ever met. I, I feel you've got this uncanny ability to find the light in the darkest dark and go, nope, it is dark, it's pitch dark, but there's a tiny slither of light over there it's very far you might not even see it but just walk towards it um <laughs> so yes hope and hope and that wisdom to trust that the light is there and you can find it and that the dark is okay too uh, because that's also part of your wisdom um that's that's something very precious that I'm, I've learned and I continue to learn from you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, for me, there, there are two, I mean, there are so many things, but there are two that came to my mind uh, very clear. The first one is very practical. I learned boundaries from you. Um, for you, I, we, we talked at one point and you were like, well, what is this? You know, you're, you're not even uh, talking about the topic because it's come so natural to you. So I've been very empathetic and ten, over time um, I went into empathetic distress quite a lot because I wouldn't know how to set boundaries of what is my life, what is my personal time, what's my well-being. So I, um, I learned a lot from you on that one. And on a more soul connection, I learned to accept my shadow, I think. This has been a topic of... Um, but I tend to ignore it. I was like, fine, I know it's a shadow, but I've never been curious about it. I've been like, if something comes up, you know, I look at it, but for a short time and without curiosity, more of like, okay, there's some cleaning to be done. Let me clean. But, you know, with a lot of judgment and get rid of it rather than, well, let's nourish this little demon and see what he or she wants and how we can help um and uh, maybe maybe make peace with that. So in 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 the same way that you shared, for me there was a lot about accepting that light can exist only if uh, darkness can exist. <laughs> they can be only together, and become a little bit more curious about my own shadow. And I'm on a journey to 
to befriend my anger, to befriend my sadness, and that, especially anger, because that's something I didn't know how to process for many years. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm smiling because uh, I'm I'm learning to tame, <laughs> tame my anger. I, be, I befriended it long ago, so. <laughs> but it, it became a bit too too good of a friend so now I need to go the other way <laughs> I um I'm so deeply grateful to you and for you um and I know you know it um we we do we do say that to each other I love you and I'm grateful for you um I really do I love you and I'm so grateful for you and and I'm grateful you chose to to do this with me it's it really feels um very vulnerable and it's a little piece of uh, our heart um that we're laying out here together and hopefully it can you know inspire people to think about um the the Veronica of their life uh whoever that might be for them give them a call if they haven't in a while um check in see what those shadows are that might be unsaid um what's um what are those five ingredients how are they playing out in their friendships um so i'll be very curious what what questions and reflections this brings up for people thank you alice i'd like to maybe to start with the, our favorite quote from the yeah, last uh, year finish with that <laughs> that is that is um yes the wisest thing that um i have heard in a very long time um <laughs> it was so, a game changer when you first shared it with me yeah it was a game changer for me so when i did my yoga teacher training in the shivananda lineage which is an indian uh, tradition um a Swami shared with us something that's very different in the Western uh, world than in the Eastern world. And she said that we think that uh, relationships are there to make us happy um, and that relationships are not there to make us happy, but to make us grow through the limitation of the other. So it being couple or friendship, whatever is the shadow of the other person is an opportunity to activate maybe some light in you and what's your shadow will maybe reflect something in the other uh, person. So yeah, we are, uh, we are in this journey together and the friendship can be a wonderful opportunity of growth if we learn how to turn it into, into that. Can you say that again? Can you say that whole <laughs> phrase again? Because that's such a powerful phrase. So relationships are not made to make us happy. They are made to, made to make us grow through the limitation of the other. That's very important, the last part. <laughs> through the limitations of the other. So the fact that I have so many limitations is such a gift. <laughs> yes, I can grow. to help you grow. <laughs> you see, you're doing a great job, right? And I'm doing a great job with you. We're happy helping each other. It's it's well, we we joke uh, about it in in the podcast now when we talk about friendship. But actually, when we remind ourselves, you know, it's quite often in the couple when we talk about couple dynamics. So it's really powerful when you look at your friendship yeah. or your um, couple relationship uh, from that angle. 
of what can yeah, I, how so can next I time you're pissed off <laughs> by the limitations of the other, remember, they are there to help you grow. <laughs> Thank you so much, my wonderful friend. It's been a joy you, uh, to have this conversation with you and uh, to many more to come. To many more to come. Thank you for listening and uh, I hope you did find anchors in my and Veronica's conversation that remind you of your own friendships, of your own journey with people who have come to your life to support your growth, whether you knew it or not when you actually met them. This uh, last thought that Vero shared with me um, still remains one of the wisest things that I have ever heard. So I'll repeat it one last time for you to take away from listening to this episode. Relationships are not meant to make us happy. They are meant to make us grow through the limitations of the other. What are your limitations that you might be working hard to transcend and they might be growth opportunities for the people around you? And most importantly, what are the limitations that drive you mad in the people you love that are actually amazing gifts for growth in yourself? I'm looking forward to your comments and thoughts after listening to this episode and until next time, stay conscious and stay wise.